Hello. Hi. I'm, I'm Lucy. Um, and hi, Phil. Um, <laughs> for those who don't know me, I am the compassion pastor at Kingdom Vineyard. So that looks like looking after storehouse, our food bank ministry, um, and generally just seeing any other ways that God is inviting us to love people more like he did. Um, so that's, that's what I do. This morning, we are taking a pause from our journey through Luke, and we're going to look at the topic of prayer. As a team, along with Jim and Rachel, our senior pastors, we have been feeling stirred by God that prayer is something we are being invited to press into as a church. To put it simply, we want to grow in seeking God and his kingdom through prayer as a church family. Prayer reflects something naturally human about how we connect with God. We talk to him, we cry to him, we, we call out to him. Abraham prayed, David did a lot of praying. Naomi prayed to Ruth, and not least Jesus, who we see praying throughout his ministry, as do, he, as do his disciples. Acts 2, 42 to 47, describes a sort of snapshot summary of the early church, of what they did and what they valued. And this little segment begins with saying, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, and it goes on. Acts describes the formation of the early church, of the Holy Spirit being poured out to equip God's people to do his kingdom work. And interestingly, the fourth hallmark of this kingdom community was prayer. The priority of prayer is found throughout the Bible and throughout the stories of people since. Because prayer is not secondary and it's not an optional extra. Prayer is an engine room for the church and it needs to be for this church too. We're being invited to put more coals on that fire. And you know, just to be completely honest with you, I'm speaking from a place of having felt God really challenge me to reprioritize prayer in my own life. And that's clearly not because I'm already amazing at it. It's because I'm still learning. So can we just say on the record right now that we probably all find prayer a bit difficult. And we can probably all point to times in our life when we probably should have prayed more. Collectively, as a family, let's allow God to free us of the shame or guilt or embarrassment that we associate with prayer. So, Holy Spirit, come. Would you begin that work in us right now? Prayer is a pretty big topic, and we're going to focus in on one passage from the Gospels where Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer. And I know I said we're going to be taking a pause from Luke, but we are, in fact, going to be jumping on ahead um, in Luke still. It's a sort of a pause. And then after doing that, I'm really excited to have a few members of our church family come up to share their stories on prayer. And then we'll get end with a few ways that we can all get more stuck into prayer um, as a family. 
So, for today's passage, as I said, we're jumping ahead right into the midst of Jesus' adult ministry. He's already got the band together, and he's already been busy teaching and demonstrating the kingdom. And Anna is going to come up to read our passage from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. All right, let's read together. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins For we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Great. Thank you, Anna. Before we dive in, I just want to address that sometimes prayers do go unanswered. And that could be for any number of complicated reasons that most of the time we'll never be able to fully explain. We've all probably got these stories and some that still really hurt. We don't always have the answers to why, but we can. We can continue to hold onto God's love we can be honest and vulnerable with those around us. And we can always trust in the ultimate hope that one day he will return fully and renew the world to how it's meant to be. We are burdened, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but never destroyed. We fix our eyes on him. Our passage this morning opens with Jesus praying. The disciples, seeing him pray, ask, how do we do that too? In response to the disciples' honest question, Jesus offers a three-part teaching, including a model on prayer, a parable about prayer, and some sayings about prayer. And this three-part response seems keen to remind the disciples of who it is they pray to and how they should pray. The model prayer, which you may be familiar with as the Lord's Prayer, 
begins with the opening address of Father. Father God, Heavenly Father. The idea of God as our Father also bookends the passage in verses 11 to 13. So before moving on any further, let's just linger a little longer here. For me, right up until the beginning of university, God always felt distant. And a big part of that was I just could not get my head around the idea that the God of the universe wanted to be known by me as my heavenly father. That his was a throne that I could run up to and give him a great big hug, even with all my mess and imperfections. And of course, God always wants to hear from us, no matter how closely we know him. But because he was like a person I'd never really met properly, It was more like awkwardly speaking to someone I'd only ever seen on TV or followed their life on Facebook. It was a bit like saying, hi God, hi, yeah, it's it's Lucy, Lucy from Nottingham, I've got a bit of maths homework, really struggling, and I was just wondering, maybe, possibly, if, if you felt up for it, that you might, maybe, help. No worries though, if you can't, bye. My prayer life for a while was a a lot more like leaving an apologetic email with one of God's 100 secretaries who may or may not get back from their very long lunch break. But Jesus wants his followers to know that when we come to God in prayer, we're not just filling out request forms with one of God's secretaries that may or may not land in his entry. We are calling upon the God of the universe who wants to and chooses to sit with us. We're running up to his throne and sitting on his knee and looking up at his face to tell him about our day. We are simultaneously invited to run up to our father's arms and sit in reverent awe of his hallowed name. To hug him and bow before him. Jesus invites his disciples into a deeply personal relationship with God, encouraging them to pray to God using the same name he does. And we are invited too, by Jesus, by his life, death, and resurrection into that same level of intimacy with our Father today. We can approach God in prayer like a child to a parent. Jesus wants his disciples to be reminded of this. And the sense I got was that I think he wants to do the same this morning. For us to receive again, or for the first time, the love of our Father. We could have started at looking at why we should pray, or even what is prayer, two worthwhile questions. But when I was preparing this message, I felt that God wanted to remind us as a church, as we begin this journey of recommitting ourselves to pray, of who we pray to. Father, our Father, hallowed be your name. Before moving on, I do want to acknowledge that not everyone here would have had a good relationship with their earthly father. And if thinking about God as your heavenly father is difficult, then there will be an opportunity to receive prayer for that at the end. Jesus' teaching also tells us that knowing who we're praying to 
our Father, tells us something about how we should approach him. With dependence, with boldness, and with expectancy. And we're going to look at each of these in turn. First, dependence. Verses 3 and 4 of this passage, and also 9 and 10, tell us that when we pray to God, our Father, we can ask for his help. Give us, forgive us, lead us, ask, seek, knock. From lost keys to lost sheep, we are invited to ask him for help, for ourselves and for others. But God is not just a wish-granting machine. He's our Father. So when we come to him as our Father, we find that prayer can be about so much more than getting our wishes granted. It's about coming to our dad for help in everything. God loves our vulnerability. It should mark our relationship with him. It's what Jesus embraced when he came to earth as a baby, as Chris spoke about last Sunday. It's the how, the who, and where he loves to work through today. When we pray to our Heavenly Father for help, we are invited to trust him with all that we need, all that we have, all who we are becoming and what we're meant to do. And you know, when we think about it, if prayer is a way to come to God and ask for his help, then if we're not praying, to what extent are we falling into the trap of doing things in our own strength? We are designed to be utterly dependent on God. When we know who he is and choosing to approach him as our father, means that we should ask him for help, not just when it suits us, but in everything. We should be dependent on God because that's how we're made to live. It's how we respond to his closeness and get closer to him. Praying with dependence draws us closer to him. Secondly, boldness. In verses 5 to 8, Jesus tells the parable of the friend at midnight as it's sometimes called. The drama as it unfolds is about two friends who have been on a long journey, and they've arrived late to their destination, hungry. Now, I couldn't think of anything worse than that. <laughs> Was that an amen, El Aster? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One of the friends remembers he has a pretty good relationship with his neighbor, so although everyone will be asleep, he knocks on the door. The neighbor is not impressed, but does begrudgingly help because of the friend's audacious request, but not before he emphatically tells him that they will no longer be taking in their Amazon parcels. The disciples were meant to compare themselves to the friend asking for help and contrast the neighbor to God. So if a grumpy, sleepy human will begrudgingly respond to the boldness of your request, then how much more will our gracious, loving Father respond to our shameless audacity when we come to him for help? God, our Father, gives willingly. This is the heart of our Father. So we should pray to him with boldness. 
If I was in a similar situation, I'd probably ask my neighbor for like, like a piece of toast at best. But our father, he would already have everything we needed laid out on the table and probably some dessert too. He's just waiting for us to ask. So let's not just ask for toast when we could ask and receive a full banquet. God does not think you are a nuisance or an inconvenience. We should ask with boldness because of the relationship he wants with us. If we're not asking boldly, then we're missing out on living in the fullness of the relationship we've been given. The bolder our ask, the more we place our trust in him and learn his ways. So we keep on coming back to him to ask for more, and we see him do more again and again. Praying boldly draws us closer to him. And finally, expectancy. In verses 11 to 13, it says that when a child asks for their earthly parents for a fish, and they know not to give them something dangerous like a snake, if that's how their relationship works, as flawed humans, then how much more will your heavenly Father give you good gifts? And specifically, as the passage says, says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Praying with expectancy helps us turn up with expectancy. If not, we risk missing out on what the Lord is doing and his invitation to join in. It's much harder to participate in a walk through the Cairngorms when you come wearing flip-flops. And of course, God is kind enough that he'll pick us up and carry us anyway. Most of the time, sometimes. <laughs> but wouldn't it be so much more fun to walk alongside him? We can be expectant because we know who our father is and what he's about. He loves to give the gift of his spirit to us. We should pray with expectancy because it's living out the reality that's already here. God is with us and he wants to do his work among us. Being expectant then helps keep our hearts soft and hungry and ready for what he wants to do. Praying with expectancy draws us closer to him. When we pray to God our Father, it is an invitation into deeper relationship and intimacy with him, which helps us know how he wants us to approach him in prayer, with dependency, with boldness, and with expectancy. And in doing so, bit by bit, it leads us back to him again and again as he slowly transforms us like clay on a potter's wheel his, jam, his hands gently hovering over us, becoming more of who and what we're meant for. But prayer is not just intimacy, it's mission. Not just a comfort, but challenge. Because calling him our father by the same breath is also an invitation into God's family. If we are his children, then we are invited to be part of his family business. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let's not forget that we do this together. 
The model of prayer Jesus gave his disciples is a community prayer. Give us, forgive us, lead us. Not just my father or your father, but our father. A united cry for his kingdom to come and his will to be done through this church family. Prayer is a furnace that forges both intimacy with our Father, and at the same time, it forges our mission. And with where the world seems to be at currently, we don't want to be facing any of this in our own strength. We need to be praying. We're going to now have a few people come up to share some of their stories on prayer. And the reason we're doing this is, you know, I could speak more about the Bible and ramble on, but hearing people's stories of their personal meetings with God and how he has poured out his gifts and blessings and spirit upon them is just so fun and encouraging and inspiring. So with that, Rachel, if you want to come up and um, share the first story. Hey, hello church. Thank you, Lucy. And I've just got a quick disclaimer. She said two minutes, but she has met me, so I'll do my best. Um, so Lucy's asked me to share um, a recent healing story from when I had my, my shoulder healed um, about a month ago. Um, and it had been a situation where I'd, I'd had a bit of a niggly shoulder for a while, but then that had been exacerbated in the morning through carrying a big pile of washing down my stairs um, and a strategically placed golden retriever at the bottom of the stairs um, who I didn't see and did some kind of quite impressive actually somersault I should probably enter the Olympics or something anyway landed on my shoulder dog's fine um, <laughs> and it, you know just shouldered on for the rest of the day that one's for you Phil <laughs> um, so the next couple of days, I was in a lot of pain. I was taking lots of painkillers, walking around like a pirate with a heated wheat pack on my shoulder for two days. Um, and I, on the Wednesday, I'd had a Teams meeting to the point that I had to turn my camera off because I was actually crying with the pain. I was really, really sore. And I had still hadn't asked God to help me at this point. I went to home group that night, and we're hosted by the lovely Wilkinsons. And, um, and Joyce and I in the morning, at the start of the meeting, she asked me how I was, and I think she noticed me holding myself a bit funny. Um, so I told her about my shoulder, and then by the end of the meeting, we were closing up, and Joyce just said, Rachel, maybe we should pray for your shoulder. Um, so I graciously accepted, and the whole of my home group prayed, and it was quite powerful and quite bold, and um, immediately quite restorative actually I felt I felt an ease I'd been kind of clock watching to see when I could get home to get my my painkillers and I felt I, my, my shoulder was still sore but it was d definitely better by the time I got home I went to get my painkillers and thought actually I, d I don't think I need these tonight and I, I'd been waking up to take them regularly the last couple of nights um I had a really good sleep and I woke up and I had no further pain and that was about a month ago I've had no pain since um, so yeah, praise God. <laughs> but I think what, when Lucy asked me to share this, the two things struck me. So one, one was I hadn't actually gone and asked God myself. And um, I do believe that God heals today and wants to heal. But somehow I didn't really think that applied to me. Um, and it, instead of him 
saying, well, okay, if you're not going to ask me, then you're on your own. It'll be fine in a month anyway. Um, he didn't do that. He was so gracious and so kind that he took somebody else to say, Rachel, maybe we should pray about this. And, and I just, I feel like I've really thought about what happened and, and why you've asked me to speak today. And it's just made me think a lot about what you've been saying this morning. So hopefully that's helpful. I love stories. They're great. Thank you, Rachel. Um, the second person we're going to have come up is Trisha. And Trisha is going to read a story that Imogen wrote. And some of you may know Imogen. She's part of our church family, um, but, but connects with us on, online. Um, and she's written a story that Trisha is going to read out. So, whoops, I'm just so thrilled to read this. It's a lovely story. Um, hang on. So Imogen's housebound as a carer, and she's part of our home group, and we really value what she does, but it's really lovely to get this story from her. So Imogen says, I want to tell you of an answer to prayer which began even before I asked. I started praying for this on the day lockdown was announced. I'm a carer, and I didn't see how I would cope without the breaks from caring that I normally got. I prayed that God would somehow enable me to have breaks without leaving home. A few weeks earlier, I'd been looking at pictures online and wishing I could study textile art. I was drawn to a particular image, clicked on the link, and found a website that put out a weekly email with articles about textile artists, so I signed up. After the first week of lockdown, I got an email telling me they were organizing free online workshops with textile artists for the next few weeks while we were locked down. This was an answer to my prayer, as doing these workshops was a real break and relaxation for me. Once it became clear that lockdown was not going to be just a few weeks, the young men organizing the workshops said they could no longer do them for free, but they would set up a business running online workshops. And I've been able to pay a very modest fee, and I'm still enjoying learning about textile art. God not only answered my prayer for some form of break during lockdown, he also provided my dream for studying textile art. And she does prophetic embroidery. <laughs> it's absolutely lovely. Isn't it just so lovely that the fact that God knows our deepest dreams and, and hopes and that he, that, that he meets us in them? And just to honor Imogen as well, she, yeah, as, as Trisha said, she, she uses this, her, her, her sewing as a form of um, in, intercessory and prophetic prayer for the church. And it's been a real blessing. So even just to say that prayer doesn't have to look like talking to God. Um, there's many different and creative ways that we can communicate with him. Finally, um, David, if you want to come up, he's going to share a last story. Thank you, Lucy. Um, <clears throat> I've written this down because we're limited to 250 words in two minutes. Okay. Um, so, uh, honestly, this year has been a pretty challenging and stressful re uh, year for me for a number of reasons that won't fit into 250 words. But about six or seven weeks ago, um, I was in a small prayer group uh, at the end of home group, and we were listening out for any words or pictures God might have for us. 
I felt God bring to mind um, that time when Jesus told his disciples, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I asked God which of the other guys that we were in the small group with this was for, but wasn't really sort of getting any response. Mm. Then Peter says, uh, David, I think the Lord really wants you to know that you're not to keep on struggling, for his yoke is easy. Ah, it's for me. The Lord's telling me I've got to stop struggling to fix everything myself and instead trust and depend on him. Over the next few weeks, I struggled to struggle less and trust more. It's a work in progress. Just three weeks ago, um, during the Sunday morning prayer ministry um, after church, I felt that nudge, you know, go forwards, ask for more. Normally, that is simply enough to root me to the spot. But after a few minutes of fighting with it, I stepped forwards. And as I was prayed for, I knew the Holy Spirit was enabling me to let go more, to struggle less, and to receive his peace in that. It was a real tangible feeling of knowing that he was working in me and potentially through me. God has ever knew the timing was right, as actually the last three weeks have had the potential to be very stressful. And whereas I'm not going to pretend that I've floated through those three weeks on a cloud, because there's people in this room who know that very much isn't true, <laughs> um, I was able to let go more, struggle less to do things in my own strength, to know God's peace through those last three weeks that have been really difficult. And as I let go and trusted in God, guess what? He got to work answering those prayers. So this week, just this week, um, a work project that I've been working on for the last six months has come to a much sooner than expected successful conclusion. Yes. Um, our eldest daughter, who's been in a marathon fraught journey trying to buy her first house, got her keys on Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And our youngest daughter, who finished in uni in the summer and has been trying to get a job and has been really struggling with not having any response, got an email on Friday to say, we'd like to offer you a job in Dundee. Woo! So, yeah, um, it's a work in progress. God is teaching me to stop trying to fix things myself and to trust in him, because he is indeed a good God. I'm sure there's lots of other stories that you're all thinking of now, maybe. So, you know, share a story with someone, perhaps after the service, over a coffee and a donut, or ask somebody for a story um, of, of their own to do with prayer. Um, it's so fun and so encouraging um, to, hear, to hear stories of how God is, has been moving in the lives of this church family. To end. We are, we are, we are ending. <laughs> there are lots of different ways to get involved with church. Um, there are lots of different ways to get involved with prayer in this church family. And on the screen now is going to be just a list of um, different ways we can get involved with prayer. So there's, there's monthly prayer, um, and that's more kind of praying for stuff happening around the world, in the, in, 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 in the nation, um, and also more locally. Um, there's prayer before um, every Sunday service. You're really, really welcome. And this is where we invite God into every aspect of what we do. There's also prayer ministry on a Sunday. And this is where we invite God uh, to do stuff in our own lives. And then also we pray in home group. And this can take lots of different forms. 
And also, not on the screen, but a KB member has also felt um, stirred recently to try and gather people to pray for, for their local towns and cities. And last month held their first prayer walk um, in St. Andrews, and they're hoping to do this every third Saturday. Um, details are usually shared on the Facebook page, so keep an eye out for that. There are lots of different ways to get involved with prayer, to, to gather in prayer as a, as a family um, and yeah, cannot recommend um, them enough. And finally, day of prayer. Um, this is your official save the date for the day of prayer we have coming up on the 26th of November, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. at the St. David Center. We're doing this because we feel invited to press more into prayer as a church family, and we're going to make space for it, a whole, a whole day, in fact. This day of prayer falls just before Advent and will be, will be linked in theme to it. And the more details will be shared about what that will look like over the next few weeks. It's going to look like we're going to have a room in the St. David Center. We're going to set it all up, cozy, fairy lights, bean bags. Um, and then we're going to have different prayer stations to help guide our time with God. Um, and... The way it works is that we're going to have 12, 12 one-hour slots, and you can sign up for, um, for, for an hour. Um, and, and maybe you think, actually, Lucy, praying for a whole hour, that, that seems really tough going. Um, can I just encourage you that you might be surprised that actually having a whole hour just to soak in God's presence and talk to him, I mean, it's, it is what we're made for. And um, yeah, these, 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 these times that we've done it, done it in, in, in previous years, have been a real joy and, and a real gift. So um, do sign up. Sign-ups are now open. Um, yeah, would love to see you there. I'm doing the early morning slot, so come and, come and join me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to end properly now, we are, we are ending. If we want to see the transforming work of the kingdom in our personal lives, on a Sunday, in our places of work or study. Prayer is a fundamental place to start. Because God loves to move when he's invited and intervene where he's wanted. He loves hungry, trusting hearts who regularly come to him in all states of need and emotion. With dependency, with boldness, and with expectancy. At KV, we want to know more of the living God through his word. Be held in his embrace through worship. See his wonders released and his works accomplished. For heaven to meet earth in this corner of the world we call home. If that is the case, which I think it is, <laughs> We are being invited to pray for it. Let's pray. If you want to stand. Father God, our Father, we want to know more of you and be led deeper 
into your heart. And we're, we're sorry for the times that we haven't, we haven't come to you and spoken to you about all that's going on in our lives. We're sorry. Would you, Father God, would you set a fire in our hearts to pray? Would you help us come to you with everything and for the sake of everything? Father God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit right now? Would you fill us up? Would you fill us as a church family? Amen.